Well, good morning again. It's great to see you guys. Steve dressed up this morning, as you can tell. It's time for great a new revolution. Shirt. Now, Steve, I will tell you, I think this sermon, this message, will land much differently in this service than it did the last. You think? <laughs> much different in this service than... Well, I think it was kind of like last week's message. The, we talked about social media. Last week, somebody came out and they said, I had no idea what you were talking about. Yep. They, I feel like that was the first service this week. They were kind of like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But Steve's shirt really is the uh, highlight or the, the point of what we're going to talk about today. And many of you, I think, can relate. But, you know, I don't know if you've noticed lately that um, there seems to be a trend uh, right now where Jesus, Christians, churches kind of getting a lot of bad press. I mean, there's a lot of things going on. Like, I mean, even a few weeks ago, we talked about shiny, happy people, you know, that documentary that came out. And, you know, there were more documentaries and none of them are typically good. They're all about, let's highlight the scandal that's happening in the world right now, like Hillsong Church, or we talked about even the Southern Baptist Convention and their decision to say women, no, no women pastor. You can't even have that title. And those things just explode on the news. And so if you're an outsider, you look at this and you're just like, I don't like that Jesus thing. But there was recently a movie, or earlier this year, a movie that came out that actually pushed against that and actually made Jesus look good. And so we wanted to show you this trailer. Hey, Square. I am not a square. I think we should invite Greg this weekend. What's this weekend? These people are hippies, rebels against old-fashioned authority. I think these kids need help. What they need is a bath. You're passing judgment on people you know nothing about. Maybe that's why your church is so empty. When God walks in here, brings me a hippie. I'll ask him what it's all about, because I do not understand. His house has a very good vibe. There is an entire generation searching. Slow down, man, slow down. Just in all the wrong places. If you want to reach my people, you need to speak to them in a language they understand. If I bring them in, I'm going to lose my job. We can only walk through doors open to us. In your church, that's a door that's shut. Probably noticed we have some guests here today. I'd like you to meet my new friends. Welcome. They don't belong here. Half of them aren't even wearing shoes. They're staining the new shag carpet. They need our help. If you feel like you're misunderstood and judged, you will find forgiveness and freedom right here. That was awesome! Now that door is open any time of day. And if there are some who don't like that, well then that door works both ways. All right, Pastor, let's begin. I was almost done with this, but then you did what nobody else would even dare. This thing that we found, I feel like I belong. You're gonna need a bigger church. country is a dark and divided place, but now there's hope and it's spreading. This is your home and I want you to tell all your friends about it. Okay, so I want to know who's seen Jesus Revolution. Okay, very good. What'd you think? I see Chef. Well, go ahead and you can say words. It's okay. Good. You liked it? It's an interesting movie. I mean, I have to admit it's before my time. I am old, but not that old. 
Wheelock boys. I'm not that old, just so you know. Your mother is, but not, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, this was, this kind of went against a lot of things that happen with Christian movies. Number one, it was good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Christian movies just have a terrible reputation to be cheesy and bad acting and all that. But this movie wasn't. I mean, you saw in the clips there, you had Kelsey Grammer, who was, uh, you know, Emmy nominated, maybe even possibly won in, for his role in Frasier, an actor. You know, the guy that plays Jesus in The Chosen is in it. And so he's there. Good effects, great music. I saw some of you out there when that music started, you started swaying. Not good Baptist at all in that right there now. But really... When you watch the movie, and I, and I think Steve and I both would say, if you've not seen it, you should see it. It's a great movie. It's absolutely worth your time, and, and Steve will tell you it really spoke to him. Oh but um, it was really an honest assessment of what happened in the late 60s, early 70s, in Southern California, but didn't stay in Southern California. It spread out a little bit. And it was to the hippies, to the junkies, um, and, and how Jesus really came and did an amazing work. And like I said, it didn't stay in Southern California. In fact, Steve, you experienced the Jesus Revolution here in Iowa. Right here in Raccoon River City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I did. I, I was uh, caught up in the, uh, the baby boomer youth movement that some labeled the hippies. Um, and uh, it was a movement that started out with great optimism and idealism, um, peace and love. Those, that peace and love uh, were themes that coincided with uh, two things that were going on socially at that time, the Vietnam War and, uh, and the Civil Rights Movement. And uh, they were, the young people were saying, we gotta find better solutions to this than all of this conflict and strife and so let's counter it with peace and love and good music <laughs> <laughs> but it uh, it by the time you get to the where this movie picks up things had happened john kennedy had been killed martin luther king had been assassinated bobby kennedy had been assassinated there was violence in the streets and the drugs just took it all over. And so instead of it being peace, love, and rock and roll, it became sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And it turned ugly and dark, and lives were being destroyed. And, and I was there, and I was in it. And I found a group of people, led by the Spirit of God, I can now understand and tell you, I was led into a group of people that opened their hearts and opened the scriptures in a way that helped me understand Jesus for the first time in my life, even though I grew up in church. It was life-changing. Yeah, what's fascinating to me is, again, this was just a few years before me. I'm not that far off this generation. Uh, but what's fascinating to me is in this moment in time, there was a magazine, Time Magazine. Anybody remember Time Magazine? You know, I had to do a little explanation for what a magazine was in the last service. Um, but look at this on the screen here. So the first one there, the Is God Dead, that ran in April 8th of 1966. Now just challenge you to think about Time Magazine 
was a well-respected, was very highly sought after, you know, top journalism, all these things. What had to be happening in the culture of America at that time for that to be the headline, the cover article for Time Magazine? There had to be a lot of hopelessness, right? There had to be a lot, religion was just not doing its thing and everybody's leaving the church and so Time Magazine, responding to what they see in culture, puts on the cover, is God dead? And yet five years later, that's the difference between these two covers. You see the second one, which says, the Jesus Revolution. What had to shift in the span of five years, which we all know is nothing, I know when you're in high school, guys, five years seems like an eternity, but man, five years on this side seems like quick. What has to happen in American culture that shifts from the idea that God could be dead to now there is a Jesus revolution? And that's kind of what we're going to get into is, is as we discuss this today. And I'm excited about this because we're in the series where we're talking about God in plain sight. And we're looking, and I mean, this one's easy, right? This is the Jesus revolution. Jesus is front and center in this whole thing. And I think that's one of the important things about the Jesus revolution is it wasn't about a church. It wasn't about an author or a speaker. It really was Jesus was the center of everything that was happening there. And I think, I believe, I shouldn't say I think, I believe, I really do believe that as we pay attention to the Jesus revolution then, I believe we are on the cusp of another cultural moment very similar to that today. You know, um, I failed to mention this in the first service, but we took on the label as freaks Mm. back in the day. We wore clothes like this. We had (laughs) long hair. We looked way different than everybody in the establishment did. The man. The man. (laughs) We were freaks. Well, there's a new freaks in our culture today. They may not call themselves that, but that's the way we think about it. And I believe, and the point of this message is, that Jesus, just as he did in my day, will move today. Absolutely. One of the challenges of our current generation, current cultural situation, is there's this idea and understanding that if it ha- didn't happen in my lifetime, it wasn't real. And I think that's what I love about the Jesus Revolution movie, is that it is a reminder of something that very real that happened. Yep, it was before my time, but it was significant. It was honestly culture shifting here in America. And it's a really important part. In fact, Steve, you shared with me like, you know, you did grow up in church, but the culture at that time included crazy things like nuclear attack drills. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was the peak of the Cold War. Some of these people may remember those. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else have nuclear drills in school? Where your school desk was going to save you? under your desk and cover your head. <laughs> That'll protect you from the nuclear bomb. We, we had that. It was the peak of the Cold War. Yeah. Post-World War II, America was flush with victory after World War II, and then we got bogged down in Korea, and, uh, and then it was the Cold War with tension with Russia, the Berlin Wall and all that, and we grew up in that, but post-World War II, America moved into a great season of prosperity, 
and there was a great explosion in the middle class and uh, moving to the suburbs and, and, uh, and young people all of a sudden had money to spend and they had free time and leisure and it was a great explosion, a big boom <laughs> in society. They call it the baby boom and youth with idealism and optimism uh, with free time and money to spend push the culture in a new direction uh, that, uh, um, as, as I've already pointed out, spiraled in a very yeah. negative direction over time. Yeah, and these kids were dealing with Cold War. Dispensational theology yeah. was big in the church, brought about by books like uh, uh, The Late Great Planet Late Earth Great. by Hal Lindsey and uh, movies like A Thief in the Night where... You're constantly on edge because the rapture is going to happen at any time. And we've talked about this. Go back on the website and look at our series, The End is Near, question mark, um, where we address that. But there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of desire for change that pushed all these things that we were seeing, as well as this rebellion against the status quo, rebellion against the materialism of your parents. Um, it felt like the world was ending, and so it was ripe for a movement that took place. And as you said, they just kind of fell into a drug culture because that was there. It was easy to get. Everybody else was doing it. But there's, there's something else that was happening, and I want to show you a clip from the movie. Uh, it's two people are having a conversation. The hippie is Lonnie Frisbee, real guy, really existed, from Southern California, met Jesus on a drug trip. I mean, it happens, right, Steve? It happens. It happens. And it happened to me. It happened to you. And it, Lonnie gets this vision that God says to him, you're going to preach to thousands and many are going to come follow Jesus because of you. And he's sitting down talking to a guy named Chuck Smith, who was a pastor of a declining church in that era, in that time, trying to figure out, are we supposed to reach these people? How do you reach these people? And, uh, well, just watch this interaction between these two. So, uh, tell me about yourself, Lonnie, and your uh, people. My people. I like the sound of that. You know, it reminds me of the words of Jesus. To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? I was up in San Francisco for a long time, living in Haight-Ashbury, on the streets all over. Man, we did everything, and everyone. But that was the point. You see, the drugs, it's a quest. For what? For God. How can you not see that? There is an entire generation right now searching for God. Man, we thought acid was going to save the world. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. But that was a lie. As much of a lie as what we were rebelling against. And what brought you to that realization? I kept searching and searching. And I just finally got to the end of it. And there was still a void. And my people, well, they're a desperate bunch. And 
inspiration. Man, there's power in that word. What would it take for you, Chuck Smith, to be desperate? Jeanette tells me you're a pastor. Yes. Currently. I know we must seem pretty strange. But if you look a little deeper, if you look with love, you'll see a bunch of kids that are searching for all the right things, just in all the wrong places. So to answer your question, how do I describe my people? They're sheep without a shepherd, chasing hard after lies. And the trouble is, your people reject them. So I ask you, Pastor, how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? We can only walk through doors open to us. And your church? Well, that's a door that's shut. That's a powerful moment, isn't it? And I tell you, as I watch this, I, I, I think, I, I know, we're in this moment again. Yeah. We're in this moment again where, you know, the churchianity that exists out there, the world's not interested in. It's not, I mean, and if we're honest, it's because we talk about the transforming power of Jesus and a lot of things we see in the church haven't been transformed. Yeah, I mean, um, what do people hear from the church today? They hear our political position. They hear the things of all the things we hate and don't like about what's going on. They hear fear and condemnation. It was much the same back in my day. The status quo was trying to hold on to control and was put off by this new thing, whatever it was, and could not believe that God had anything to do with it. But God blows like a wind. Mm -hmm. The Spirit moves, and the Spirit births, and the Spirit takes us to new birth mm -hmm. through labor and struggle. And the Jesus revolution of the late 60s and early 70s is very, very similar to what I think Jesus is yeah. doing today. And you, you talked about something, a verse that we have on the screen is that the spirit moves where the spirit wants to move. No one expected that God would work through the hippies. There's a line in the movie where the pastor's talking with his daughter and, uh, you know, um, she, she says, where was Jesus in all this? And she says, Jesus came in with the hippies. Mm. And I think, wow, that's so powerful. Nobody expected that. 
And it would have been easy for this whole moment to be missed if the desire was just to keep the status quo. But as you said, the Spirit moves where the Spirit wants to move. In John 3, Jesus is meeting with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, a religious leader in the community. And he comes to Jesus at night. Why at night? Because he doesn't want to be found out. He's sympathetic to the cause and he sees God is doing something. And he leans into that. And in John 3, we read Nicodemus says, uh, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God, which was an amazing statement for a Pharisee to make. And he says, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. And Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And there's that statement, born again, which became the rallying cry of the Jesus movement and of the evangelical movement that came from that. But in this same exchange with, Nic- with Nicodemus, um, Jesus makes this statement. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Man, if there was anything that really described this Jesus revolution, it's the surprising move of the Holy Spirit. Surprising, unexpected, frightening to the status quo. This had nothing to do with us. This happened without us. This can't be of God. But it was. It was the Spirit moving. Can I tell my story? Absolutely. Please do. So, yeah, I was on drugs. Partying with drugs. Pastor's kid. Don't believe out that good Oh, I was in church all my life. Every time the church doors were open. Vacation, Bible school, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, two week. Revival meetings, church camp. (sighs) (laughs) And I ran away from it. And I was looking for God in all the wrong places. And under the influence of that lifestyle, one night, one of my buddies, in the midst of an LSD trip, said, you know, I just heard about this book. I read it. It's, the, it's called The Late Great Planet Earth. I hadn't heard of it. And, and it's talking about prophecy and the end times and the book of Daniel and Revelation. And, and, uh, and I thought, well, this is weird. <laughs> Go to an LSD party and get to talking about the book of Daniel. <laughs> Anyway, he'd never heard anything about it, but I had. And I said, well, yeah, there is a book I know about. It It talks about this and that and the end times and prophecy. And, uh, well, who who can we talk to to know more about this? Well, my dad would know some more about it. We want to meet your dad. And so four of them and me set up a time to meet with my dad. And my dad opened the scriptures. By the way, this is his Bible. Ivan A. Rogers, right there on it. He opened up the scriptures and just started answering questions. Well, what about this? Well, here's what the scripture says. What about that? Well, here's what the scripture says. He did it gently. He did it not in a threatening way. He wasn't trying to push them. And they just drank it up. They'd never heard anything like that. They weren't raised in church. And at the end of the evening, he said, well, would you guys like to just welcome Jesus into your life? And they said, yeah, we want whatever this is about. 
So he dad invited us to kneel on the couch and the chairs we were sitting in. I wasn't ready to do this. I knew where, what he was going to do, <laughs> and he did it. And I wasn't ready. But he led, he said, just ask the Lord into your life. And each one individually, they prayed a prayer of confession and asking for forgiveness and asking the Lord to come into their lives. Came around to me, and I thought, oh, man. I don't want to mess this up for dad and them, and, but ooh, what am I going to do? And I mumbled out some prayer. Well, God, you know, I've done this before. And, and uh, you know, if this is whatever you're doing, you're, go ahead, man. I don't care. <laughs> but that was about the sincerity of my prayer. A few weeks later, we heard about this group that was meeting across town. Sounded like a cult to me. Some weird pastors meeting with people in his basement. Ooh, what is that? We were bored. We're driving around. We decided we'd wander. We'd go over there and make fun of them. And we stumbled into that basement, stoned out of our minds. And they were doing the same thing. They were talking about Jesus. And they were bringing in scriptures in a way that didn't feel threatening or condemning, but were inviting and life-giving and I bowed my head and I said Lord if this is you this is what I want and I was instantly I mean miraculously the drugs just poofed or were gone I was liberated and all I could think from that moment on is I want to be able to talk about the Bible the way these people are talking about the Bible I want to teach it I was studying to be a teacher in college God was birthing me through a whole series of events that brought around to a moment of deliverance and freedom and new life in Christ. Amen. And, and you weren't expecting it. You, did, you weren't even asking for it, really. No. You went to make fun of people. I was running so hard away from God, I ran right into him. I ran right into him. And that's the thing about the wind, the spirit is you don't know where it's going. It goes where it pleases. And it's not subject to human control. And it's not subject to manipulation, even though sometimes we may try. And it's just this reminder that God is always active among his people, among his creation. And his desire to reveal himself to his people, it's not changed. It's still there. And it doesn't mean that it takes the responsibility off, off us to share the, the gospel with people because we still have that responsibility. There was a pastor who was being faithful, who was talking about things, but it shows that God is not limited by us. God is not limited by what we do. And in the late 60s and early 70s, the wind was blowing. The wind was blowing, the spirit was moving, lives were being changed, not perfected, but changed. Yes. And, uh, but in that movement, in that movement of the spirit at that time, it showed us and it reveals something great um, in those who claim to follow Jesus. In their way, you know, what we saw in the church and what he dealt with was it was kind of a our way or the highway kind of mentality. It was come in, do church. And you kind of encountered that too, right? I oh, mean, yeah. it was, you told me one time you went to a conference and the guy was like, you can't, you need to cut your hair. That's right. <laughs> you know, and that's, that was one of the downfalls of, I think, of the Jesus revolution is the church, some churches became ready for it. Others didn't, and it became a conform to how we do church the right way, or you can't come in, which is very sad. Um, 
And this isn't surprising. I saw some of that even in my generation. It was not the Jesus revolution. We called it the worship wars. Worship wars. You know, it's like which music is the right music to worship God to, which is such a silly conversation anyway. But really, as we talked about this this week, we began to think about even that moment then and this moment now and really how it's a wineskin conversation. Luke chapter 5, it's in all three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but Jesus is talking to the people and he tells them a parable and he says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the new wine will burst the skins, the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say the old is better. You know, wineskins, not something we deal with today, but it's what they had, the hide of an animal that they would stitch together. And when they had new wine that needed to be fermented, they'd pour the wine in there and they'd hang it up. Well, wineskin that had been around a while was not pliable, not flexible. And if the gases that were released during fermentation would expand, and eventually in an old wineskin, rupture. And there on the ground is all that beautiful, delicious wine, unable to be drunk because it had been wasted. What's the point of that? (laughs) Well, the point of it is that no one having tasted the old wine thinks the new is better. In other words, what what God did then, he's going to do something new now. And if I try to hold on to then, I'm going to miss what he's doing now. There has to be a freshness and an openness of heart that responds to the moving of the Spirit in the now to accommodate what God is doing. As Lonnie Frisbee said to the pastor, Chuck Smith is the pastor's name, your church is closed to what God is doing. We don't want our church to be closed, but personally, we don't want our hearts to be closed. God is moving in the hearts of these young people today and in this generation, but it doesn't look the same as before. And we don't know what to do about it. But the Spirit is moving. Mm -hmm. And I ask God, give me a new wineskin. I've heard it said that the greatest barrier to a new move of God is the last move of God. The last move of God, it always <laughs> persecutes the next move next of God. Next move of God. Historically. And even know. when you think about Jesus in that moment where he's talking about wineskins, why was that such a challenge? It's because Jesus wasn't coming to bring Judaism 2.0. He wasn't coming to tweak and modify. He was blowing up very well-known, well-structured things that they had grown up in. And it was, he was knowing, he knew a new wineskin was needed for what he was bringing about. I mean, you think about some of the things that Jesus changed. He changed things like the priesthood. They'd grown up and you needed a priest to intercede between you and God. And Jesus comes and he's like, you're not going to need a priest anymore. You, you are a royal priesthood. You yourselves, those of you that follow me and are empowered with the spirit of God, you are the priest now. Wait, what are you talking about? I mean, he was talking about the temple. And he says, hey, look, there's a time coming. You're not going to have to go to the temple to find the presence of God. You know why? Because the presence of God is going to be in you. In you. Could you imagine hearing that and that blowing up your traditional structures and what you would think? He says, you know, sacrifices, not going to be needed. 
In fact, I'm going to give you this memorial picture, this idea of the Lord's Supper, communion, where it'll remind you that once and for all that sacrifice has been made. And then he, the hardest criticism he had of anybody was for those that continued to try to show this outward piety when their hearts weren't following that. The rule makers, the rule keepers who were trying to prevent others from coming and seeing it. They put you know, huge barriers against people to keep them from experiencing God. Well, it seems to me that Jesus launched a counter-revolution. Mm-hmm in his time. He challenged social boundaries. He he dealt with the people that the religious crowd was saying, we're we're not going to have anything to do with those people. They're unclean. He challenged those boundaries. He challenged how scriptures were being used. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, you have been taught but I say unto you, and he gave them a different perspective on how the scriptures were being used. He, he challenged authority structures. He said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, you've got to learn to be a servant. It's those Gentiles and those wicked people that want power and control and prominence and, and uh, um, celebrity. In God's kingdom, he said, you've got to be a servant. The least shall be last and the last shall be first. He talked about bowing to mammon. You know what mammon is? Mammon was a, a Roman, uh, Greco-Roman god of money. And how money controls our lives. He challenged that. He said, you can't serve God and mammon at the same time. You're gonna have to pick one or the other. You can't serve both. He's, he's challenged the stratification of classes, social and, and uh, economic classes. He continually hammered away at feed the poor, help the hungry, heal the sick. He interacted with lepers and people that were rejected of society. And as Brett said, If we want to go with God today, we're going to have to go where the Spirit is blowing. We're going to have to follow Jesus where he wants to lead us. Because I tell you, Jesus is birthing a new revolution in our culture today. These are not times to be afraid that, that the world is going to hell. These are times to be excited that God is birthing a new revelation a new spirit, a new revolution. And all we got to do is pitch our sails and catch the wind and go with it. Absolutely. You know, I was doing some reading this week and talking about uh, the, the current generation, Gen Z, you know, and it's a challenging generation. We don't understand a lot about Gen Z. That's what your 26-year-olds around and lower, I, I believe. Know. It's hard to keep up with. <laughs> but they're the ones that aren't in church. They're, not, they're the ones that are less religious than any other generation before them. Yeah. In fact, when they talk about faith, it's not their faith. It's not even their parents' faith that they know about. It's their grandparents' faith that they're familiar with. Um, they don't know much about the Bible, and they really don't care. Yeah. They're willing to talk about deep things, but you know they are the loneliest generation of record. Yeah. 
They're looking for connections. They're anxious about a lot. They feel strongly about principles and they desire authenticity and not show. And that's a question for us is as we look at that generation and just the world around us is that if the spirit is blowing, which we believe absolutely that it is, are we willing to throw up the sails to where God's going to be leading us? And then that question is of wineskins. Are we willing to create new wineskins for new wine? And I think that begins in us individually. Yeah. I mean, I know me, I'm, I'm 49, I get the big 5-0 next year, right? And it's like, the older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, I don't want to change. I'm good with the way things are. But if the, opportun- but if the, but the opposite of change is to miss a movement of God, or if I don't change, I miss a move of God, am I really willing to land there? You know, I can, I can sometimes, this crowd, I think, can get nervous when we say that change word because it's like, well, what's he going to announce? Nothing. We don't have any big changes at Ashworth. We're just asking about ourselves internally. Are we sensitive to the Spirit of God? Are we following that direction? God is moving. God is revealing himself. Are we really willing to lean into that, beginning with ourselves and then us as a church, to see and experience the transcendent God who continues to intervene in his creation and invite us to be a part of his incredible work? I think it's time for a new revolution. I think it's time, as I said at the beginning, Christianity's getting such a bad rap out there in the world, and that's not God. God is bigger, God is better, God is doing a new thing, and he's inviting us to be a part. At the end of the movie, there's one scene, and I I have a clip, we won't show it, but it's basically uh, the pastor and the young guy who becomes a speaker, his name's Greg Laurie, and he shows him the magazine, And the question was, do you think this is the end of something or just the beginning? And they say, oh, we think it's just the beginning. And I think that is very true for us today. God is doing something. Let's pitch our sails, follow the movement of the Spirit of God and see where this thing takes us. And I can tell you, it's gonna make us uncomfortable. I can tell you, it's gonna be awkward. It's gonna be challenging. But I can also guarantee you that when we get there, when we experience it, it's going to be something we wouldn't trade anything in this life for. Amen. Let's pray.